Welcome into Violence and the Three Droogs. Today we are discussing one of our favorite movies this entire semester, Raging Bull, starring Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. Obviously, the legendary Martin Scorsese directed it. Cheyenne loved it. Christian loved it. I loved it. The very first thing we have to get into is why we love this film so much. Cheyenne, you're going to kick us off. Okay. Tell us what you love most about Raging Bull. I think that Scorsese is absolutely brilliant in that he has a really good way of capturing emotion in this film. Like, he adds to that mania that Jake has with you. You follow that with him and you feel that mania that he has, whether it be in the ring or with his relationship with Vicky or really even just his, like, perpetuation of violence and then it has a really good way of adding to paranoia too like we get into the the like placement of Vicky and like we fear him we become to fear him so so in a way we we empathize but we and pity him but then we are terrified of him like it's just brilliant um I would say I love the aspect of um the real life aspect of this movie and I and I like how when we do uh, come uh, go on this journey with these characters, it feels as if it's just their everyday life that you're that you're literally seeing, you know, them follow through. But then that's when the story picks up with the boxing and you know all the other aspects of the film. But I mainly just love how it feels um, grounded and I, and the, just the real world aspect of it is that life is going to throw you, you know, punches. It's going to throw you, you know, curveballs. But at the end of the day, it's you know, what do you do? When that stuff happens, how do you react? You know, is it gonna is your reaction gonna be affecting other people or is it just gonna affect yourself? So see, I love both of your points. My favorite thing about Raging Bull is honestly comparing it to other films that I love. And obviously I'm not gonna get into into too much of one of these films because it's one of the last films we're gonna cover this semester. It's gonna be a major focus of our third podcast taxi driver um joker another um recent movie that i loved and one that we're going to get back into a clockwork orange now with those three films we see our main protagonist have society reign upon them we see yes they are terrible people yes they inflict terrible violence but we see society as a major tool in their downfall we see society's either judgment of them treatment of them or influence on them impact them more than anything the most genius thing to me about raging bull is we see jake lamotta world champion boxer incredible athlete if this was another film that was just like raging bull i can almost guarantee you his downfall would either be drugs alcohol the woman in his life the the money the fame the ego things of that nature and in a way, you can say some of those factors played a role. But at the end of the day, what Jake LaMotta's downfall was himself. 150% his insecurity, his, the, the way that he perceived his relationships, the way that he perceived himself. And to me, that was, was the most genius aspect of this entire film. The fight sequences were incredible. The acting were incredible. We're going to get into all of that. But yeah. to, at, at the bottom line... The most impressive thing about Martin Scorsese, in my opinion, one of his three greatest films, is that Jake LaMotta had everything he could have ever wanted, but it was never enough for him. He yeah. never trusted his wife. He never trusted the people around him. He never even trusted his own brother, who helped him so much along the way and was his number one supporter through everything. So that kind of segues us into our second point, that how did you guys look at the self-violence in this film versus the societal violence. Because as I said, most of the time in films of this nature, society plays this big aspect. But really with Jake LaMotta, a lot of it was straight up self-inflicted. Right, because it's like in this film, there's no external thing pushing that violence. It's all on him. So like you said, you brought up like money and fame and drugs. Like, right, like this would kind of like go with that biopic that we had talked about how this movie subverts that, right? How we see like the rise and fall and then the eventual like I guess like resurrection of a character but this is more realistic but also too like there's nothing pushing him to perpetuate that violence upon himself other than himself like but I don't know we did talk about and whenever we were kind of pre-gaming for this like to what extent is Vicky somewhat responsible for this so like does that kind of play into like the society pushing violence on him like mm -hmm. is it 
I guess, like, it was kind of set up against him. But then again, I don't know, because, like, we didn't see... What was his first wife's name? It was, um... Lenore? Um, I think it was... It started with an A. Um, I can pull it up right here. It is... Irma. 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 Yes, Irma. So, like, we see him being already completely violent towards Irma, and we can assume that she's a loving wife. She's, like, our first introduction is she's cooking a steak for him. She's fighting for him throughout. So, I don't know. I don't think it had anything to do with Vicky. I think it had a lot to do just do with him. Yeah, and I will add on to that, um... And when when I look at it from the athlete's perspective, mm-hmm. because you know um, I did play football and everything, you um, when you do get to a point in life, there's uh, there's two ways that you can go. You know, it's either that you're gonna make the way that has been laid for you and work, you know, best you can with it, mm-hmm. or you're gonna blame everybody else for what you didn't get or what you didn't obtain. And I think this goes back to why I love this movie so much is because when it comes to the fact of self harming himself. He looks at it as a way of, you know, making things right in the sense of this is what I'm used to. I'm used to getting hit in the ring. I'm used to getting punched. But this is, you know, what feels right. And this is what this is how my life is. But at the same time, as we see through the film, I just felt that that self-harm started taking a toll with him being paranoid, with him being um, uh, not uh, paranoid, on top of paranoid. But um, what's up? What I'm looking for? Not paranoid. It'll come to me later, but with just <laughs> okay. him, um, you know, being paranoid and him just constantly going back to the self-harm, yeah. I just think that there, there's no room for him to actually think outside of that and think, you know, well, the people around him, how are they helping me? How are yeah. they, you know, trying to help me with, you know, when it comes to boxing? And he did have that with his brother, yeah. but it gets insecurity. That's not the word I was looking for. Oh, but yeah. it goes back to with him being insecure, you know, in the aspect too of not trusting his brother, you know, of not trusting, you know, the household that was around him, it goes back to self-harm as that's what he relies on from a familiar aspect. And that's what he feels is going to get him through life. Mm-hmm. But as we see later on, that just gets him into other, you know, even worse situations. Now, a fascinating angle that I thought about was, obviously, this was a film made by pretty inarguably one of the five greatest directors of all time. That hated that hates sports. Right. Never wanted to make a sports movie. Obviously, Dr. Mock mentioned how he basically had to be convinced to make it. Mm-hmm. Ended up making it partially, or in the entire reason why it doesn't really feel like a sports movie. It just feels like boxing's in it. Mm-hmm. But what what's so fascinating about it is it just never feels like boxing matters to him in the sense that in most sports movies, we can look at Rocky, we can look at really any any big time sports movie there's ever been, the sport is everything to them. To That's Jake, it just feels like it's something he does because he's good at it. It's yeah. something he does because it's expected of him. It's something that he does because he feels imprisoned by it in a way. And when I say imprisoned, I mean... I think Jake has an addiction to self-harm. Yeah. I think Jake has an addiction to his fears, and he has an addiction, in a sense, to his insecurity because he's so addicted to that feeling of, i got to have someone watch my wife. Someone's lying to me. This, that, and the other. He's convincing himself of all these things, and that's why at the beginning of the film, yeah. we see him you see him ask Joey, punch me, hit me, hit me, hit me. Yeah. We see at the very end of the film, when he's in the ring, we're not at the very end, but toward the end of the film, with Sugar Ray, Sugar Ray's punching him, he gives up, he's standing there, he's mm-hmm. taking the punishment. In yeah. a way, when he's in the ring, he's inflicting violence, he's taking violence. Yeah. That is his only... It's like his prison, but it's also his escape in a way. It is, and I would say it oscillates between self-harm physically and mentally. Yeah. You know, like, that's a way of him being self-deprecating. Like, boxing was not your right. It's not, like, the main drive for him to be successful, but it's a way to add to that mania. It's a way to add to that, that violent nature that's in him. He just, he uses it as a way to thrust self-harm. And it's like, it, like for instance, the when... Vicky gets says like one of the guys he fights is like attractive. I mean, he annihilates that guy. That wasn't him trying to win a fight for himself, like as a boxer, but for himself to gain retribution for his jealousy. I mean, and then like at the end, whenever he takes the dive for himself, like no one's asked him to do that. Like he takes the dive with Sugar Ray to you know get money and like so he can kind of get on the good side to get like championship name. But then at the end, it was nothing about that. It was him. F- purely taking the the punch but with pride right he says he never got me down 
But that was just, a, that one to me was like the final self-deprecating move for him. It was for nothing other than being self-deprecating. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, uh, last thing I'll say, you know, from the athlete's view of it is that yeah. um, I relate to it to an extent because yeah. with him, we were talking about he's always relying on, his viol- on violence for him to, you know, feel as if some sense of normalcy, to feel some sense of normalcy. But for me, it's like that to an extent when it comes to my schedule with football, Everything is packed together. Yeah. We have to be on go, on go all the time. I find that me, if I'm just by myself, I'm very much on the go. I'm very much, you know, what's the next thing, you know, to do. So from looking through, you know, looking at the film through that athlete lens, you know, I do feel for him to an extent on, you know, just how his life was, you know, made to be and how it was built up. Because, yeah, he's holding on to that hurt and that, you know, the physical um, violence that he's holding on to that once again to have the sense of normalcy but at the same time that's not always gonna you know help you that's not always gonna you know push your story so we look at the beginning of the film obviously I mentioned it previously when Jake tells Joey hit me hit me hit me we see them toward the end of the film Jake's trying to make amends with his brother he's saying kiss me kiss me kiss me mm-hmm. What? Where, where do we think the switch flips for Jake is it when he's punching the wall in the jail cell at his lowest of lows, is it in the ring when he's taking the punishment from Sugar Ray? Where do we think this character, the switch finally flips and that he realizes he can he can kind of let himself be loved? He wants that love back in his life because I, in a way, feel when he lost his brother, that's when he really lost himself mm-hmm. because he kind of took advantage of his brother's love and in, in his... Almost, and his brother, you know, may or may not have cheated with his wife. We're going to get into all of that, you know. Joey's very far from a saint. But what I'm saying is I think Joey's presence in his life brought, he was his rock in a way. He, he loved him. He took care of him. He provided for him in a way. Not, not, not you know, just like monetarily or just, just being, like, but he was just there as a brother, as his rock, as his, as his person in a way, as the person that keeps him grounded, the person that keeps him together because... Jake's a mess. I yeah. mean, he, we, we see him as a mess at the very beginning of the film. I mean, mm-hmm. cussing at his wife, acting crazy. Yeah. Then he, you know, meets his potential soulmate, Vicky, and then what happens with that goes to absolute shit. So, a few things pop up in my head. I'm so sorry. Like, for starters, I think that our introduction, you brought that up, and my mind was spiraling. So, our introduction with him is a complete moment of, of questioning vulnerability. Mm. He's not at a high point. Now, the the beginning with like um of the of not the film but like just like the music whenever it's giving you like the the director and everything like that I don't know I guess like the beginning sequence, it is him it's showing like the opening him, credits right. He's yeah. not boxing. He's just he, he's boxing, but only himself. Like he's just practicing, right? And then it's a moment of like complete downhill, and then we're back up with him and um, um, whenever he is boxing and then like through his mania. I guess in a way, what I'm asking is, and it made me think of it is. Does that change our opinion of him? Like, when we see him kind of weak? Because, and if you recall, too, whenever he seeks out Joey, it's complete circumstantial. He Mm. sees him walking, and he's like, oh, let me take advantage of this opportunity. There's no, there's no, like, (laughs) Scorsese's not hinting that he's been trying to seek him out for years. Like, this was just completely circumstantial. So, I guess what I'm asking is... (laughs) With him trying to find retribution with Joey, and then us seeing at a very low point in his life where he's like a, like a comedian, it's, it's sad, it's weird, he's gained a bunch of weight, do we have sympathy for him? To a, 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 a tad bit, and I say a tad bit because I even think about when uh, he had got locked up. Mm-hmm. If he's, you know, and, and this goes back to what I'm thinking about, is I think a sense of control is what, uh, is, is what uh, pretty much hurts him somewhat too is because when he gets out when he actually was in there oh me 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 yeah. how can you be stupid punching the wall banging his head mm-hmm. not once does he bring up his wife yeah not once yeah. does he bring up his kids yeah because right? he's been arrested for doing something bad like maybe he's like why did I make that decision not why did I get here yeah and, okay. and that too but even with that saying why I don't really feel bad to an extent is because regardless of what's happened you know regardless of you know what he has done or, you know, um, the violence that he's enacted, you know, on that uh, young person, why is it that you're not thinking about, you know, the people who you 
love the most? Or mm-hmm. why is it that that's not the first thing that um, is coming up to your mind, how it affects, you know, how it affects them? So to bring that back to violence, um, I just think I look at it as, you know, when he does see his brother, it's, oh, well, I miss you because now I don't have anything. You mm-hmm. know, I don't, everything is gone. Mm-hmm. It's more of like, well, take me back now because mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not hurting you in this way. I'm not, yeah. you know, hurting myself. I'm done with boxing. No, take me back. I've lost it's, what pushed us away, so I want you back. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to say. And, and to, to me, that's why I don't feel bad to understand because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, when you were in that situation, all of, none of that, you know, was in your thought process. Yeah. None of that. Yeah. It's until you see it and you realize, oh, I don't have that, you know, it, or there's no type of, you know, violence in this sense of unboxing anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's like, I need you. Now it's, I want to speak to you. In a way, I almost feel like, okay, so earlier in the earlier in this podcast, I went into how I compared to some other films, right? Yeah. Some other films where the character, you know, whether it's Taxi Driver, whether it's Sugar, whether it's Clockwork Orange, you know, Three incredibly popular films where you got your protagonist, that horrible person, but by the end of the film, a lot of people pity them. They're like, yeah. well, you know, society's done this, this, that, or the other, especially right. in the Bible Orange, we can say, you know, all the experiments done on him, whatever. We get really nothing like that in Raging Bull, but in a way, it makes me pity this character the most, because obviously, compared to the other three... He was a bad person, yeah. abusive, this, that, and the other. He wasn't a murderer. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of mental health problems. Made, yeah. made you feel bad for him to see him get to that point. But also, in a way, everything that he lost mm-hmm. made us feel bad for him because he had it all, mm-hmm. and he lost it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times in these sports films, they start from nothing. He started with a platform. Yeah, he was a world champion. A he had a lot, and we saw him lose that and lose himself at the same time. There was yeah. no redemptive arc. There was, and there, you can say it was redemptive in the end, what he did at the end, but what he was doing at the end was just kind of a sad, and sad, sad version of himself. So we talked about how society played a role in violence and how it basically sets them up to fail, menace to society. They're introduced into an environment that yep. pushes them into violence. In a clockwork orange, we're introduced to a dystopian world where it's pushing that violence. I think Jake being a boxer is 100%, I would argue, his society. So even though he's immersed in a real world, for him, there's no divide between rink and world. It's 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 interchanging. So I would argue society, his society, the, the position, whether or not he was in that position on his own or not, doesn't matter. It pushes him to that violence. So like, what choice does he have? He has no other coping mechanism. So we had talked about is the rink and escape. Remember last time yeah, we, did, we also did. discussed A Clockwork Orange, music being an escape for yeah. Alex. And I said, no, I disagree with you, Brennan, respectfully. Um, <laughs> I would say it adds to that. Yeah. Because like at one point he pushes the his droogs off at the... the in the water, right? In the water. Yeah. I don't remember where that... Flat Block Marine, I think it's called. Um because he hears music he's like oh this is pushing me to violence so I think I would argue that the fact that he's a boxer is a societal push for him to perpetuate violence mm. I, 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 I can see that point you know I think when we think about the relationship between the boxing ring and Jake it's just yes it, it's a way for him to to distribute his violence it's a way yeah. for him to take violence and that's basically why before what I said was in, in, in just in a way, it means a lot of things to him, but it is his prison and it is his freedom because yeah. he feels trapped there. But in a way, it's those, it's his yeah. way to express himself. So to me, escape not me doesn't necessarily mean run from everything that is bad all the time. What it could mean for Jake is he's escaping all of the pain for a second because he's able to take the pain and to distribute the pain. Something Dr. Mock said, we're going to get into Jackass a little bit toward the end of the podcast, but one thing Dr. Mock said in the Jackass lecture that was very interesting to me is she said, when the body takes extreme pain, it's the only thing that you can feel. It's the only thing that you can hone in on, right? We see Jake as this (gasps) mentally distraught, he, he's, he's emotionally and just in, in scarred. He, he's in so much pain. When he's in the ring, he takes all that pain onto himself. That's the only thing he can focus on. That's why he's in the moment. That's why he feels free. But it's all, yeah. he's also in prison by that because he's addicted to the self-harm. So it's yeah. almost like, like at the very end of the film, when Sugar Ray's unleashing absolute fury onto him, yeah. that pain's making him feel free. 
but that pain is also feeding into the addiction that makes it a prison in the first place because he is addicted to that self-harm. He's addicted to making himself feel that way. And that's what wins in the end over his appetite for violence. And I would even argue his appetite for violence boils down to self-harm. Yeah. What about, like, Dr. Mock had brought up Elaine Scary and the body in pain. So, like, us witnessing pain as an experience of power as a viewer. So, like... Why do you think Scorsese, do you think Scorsese kind of had that kind of thing in mind where it's like, we almost are like rooting for that, like, he needs to get the hell beat out of them because of all the awful things he did. So like, are, are we in a way experiencing power and finding and in, in, in viewing his demise physically? And just like as a person too, like really think about where he's ended up. It doesn't look good. Yeah. Um, I, I would say to that, uh, and I wanted to, wanted to add on what you um, brought up earlier, uh, when you were speaking about uh, what was it? Oh yeah, when you were speaking about how uh, you know he had his life set up and all that. To add more to that, um, you know we do see that he does have his life set up in a certain way to where he doesn't have to deal with that. But going, but that's you know the society that's around him. Mm-hmm. You know he makes him he makes his life just uh, a prison within itself. Yeah. And um, I just think about it. Shoot, when um, he is in the ring. Um, and not even in the ring, but once again, going back to when he had got locked up and he's, um, you know, punching, hurting himself, that's when you see him, that's the sense of vulnerability mm-hmm. that he's sitting there. Everything is, okay, now I can think, I can process it. And even that's what I do like um, in this movie as well, is that when he is fighting, it almost seems as if you learn a lot just through the fighting scenes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as he's going through his matches, um, then you really are when he's kind of to himself. Yeah. And, you know, and you don't really hear his thoughts. It's it's almost as if, you know, you have to kind of read the room. Ooh, that's a really good point. We get no narration. No. That's no, a really good point, Christian. No. I love that. So, um, but, um, what else I was going with this? So sorry, so, I cut you off. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, that's pretty much uh, how, I, how I looked at it. Uh, there, there was another point that's going to come back to me a, a little bit in, in a couple minutes. Okay. <laughs> but... Adding on to that, yeah, that was brilliant. And you could even say, in a way, not having the narration, but also not having a score, not having music. Yeah, it doesn't manipulate you. It really manipulates you in a way. Because it really just draws you into this man's psyche. And it really has you psychoanalyzing him for the entire runtime of the film. And what's so interesting to me is when you compare this to... And I know, I I, I was the first one to say it in class. not a sports movie to me. Yes, sports are involved, not a sports movie. Yeah. It's kind of like the age-old debate, you know, is Die Hard a Christmas movie, all that kind of stuff. You (laughs) you probably go on for that for three or four hours. However, what I would say about this film is you could take any other other quote-unquote sports movie, stack it up against. Even look at Rocky, right? Yeah. You got Creed, you got Drago, you got all these quote-unquote antagonists in the film. Yeah. The closest thing this film has to antagonists is Sugar Ray, and Sugar Ray isn't, he's not an antagonist. He's just another guy on the other side of the ring. Jake never looks at him as an antagonist. Yeah. He never looks at anyone but himself as an antagonist. So in the, this yeah. is one of the only movies you can truly say, in, in, in the sports realm, has the same protagonist, the same antagonist, because he's at war with himself the entire runtime. He's not at war with anyone else. It's it's internal. It's inside. Right, he is violent. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. I'm uh, worse. <laughs> he, no, he, he is violent. Um, yeah. And I even look at it um, from the point that there was another point in the film. Let's see. Oh, there was another point in the film where... Uh, he did meet when this is after the fact that he had met uh, the the second wife. What was her name? What was her name? The blonde. Vicky. Vicky? Yes, Vicky. Yes. It was after he met Vicky, um, and even with that, uh, one thing I do uh, see is how his life is just violence itself mm-hmm. and just sadness because when he lost the title fight, right? Yeah. That's something in a boxing movie where oh you lose it. I mean, even in the creeds, oh now he's building back up. He's building back up. Mm-hmm. Ah, he finally gets back to that point everything is done but in this film it's more of like he lost it he had to you know lose that title fight he's crying about it and then it just switches as if it's like oh it's, it's the past but it's, I would argue too like if we're I guess we're gonna look at like genre theory like what yeah. is a sports movie it's like a like the main um, like goal and I guess hurdle or hindrance is like finding how you mesh with being in that sport mm-hmm. he, he knows he already knows but he gains that championship title, and then he has to sell that belt. Yeah, and like that, yeah. whoa. Yeah, and that so yeah, <laughs> like it, it goes, it, it, it kind of de- 
deviates from like that expectation it becomes like you Christian have kind of argued throughout this entire mm -hmm. film is it's more realistic mm -hmm. like <laughs> in what sports movie are we going to look at the, the, the I guess our protagonist being in that finding that yeah. fall yeah. and that's where we land you know like with Rocky yeah. it's like Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a good boxer, and that's the end of the movie, and yeah. not with this one. Yeah, so, <laughs> like oh, that's well, not okay. it. Yeah, that's life. That's life. Yeah. Where, where do we think masculinity ties into Raging Bull? Uh, oh, oh, I, because I mean, it's obviously a very big aspect in the film, and we could argue it's one of the biggest aspects in the entire film. I mean, I think that I don't know that. Yeah, you sprung that one. We didn't. We didn't pregame for that one. Well, it just, it just, it just, it just came in my mind because yeah. you think about what toxic masculinity means to so many men, especially yeah. in sports, especially yeah. in boxing. When we see a guy having to to characterize his masculinity as just violence, having to take it out upon himself, having to feel like more of a man, we see a lot of his. His, his his mindset, his insecurities being what a lot of men go through, what a lot of men experience at some point in their lives and wondering if their girl's cheating on them, wondering if people are lying to them. All these things tie into the fragile masculinity of the character and why he feels it's so necessary to inflict and take that said violence. I mean, I would say Jake is like the epitome of what toxic masculinity is, and that is because of his mania. But I would also argue, you know, Scorsese kind of like, you know, takes advantage of that because if you notice, a lot of his moments of vulnerability are either alone or not with Vicky. Mm -hmm. Like he, other than him like asking Vicky to stay, which I would argue is slightly vulnerable, um, and like the the role of the women in toxic if we're looking at a puzzle of toxic masculinity the role of women is to enhance the man so I don't know and that's why he goes for Vicky in the first place right right just trying trying to get something new something fresh make him feel better about himself if he can get yeah. the neighborhood girl that everyone wants yeah well not that too and like everybody else wants her so like for him it would be like the ultimate like I am the man because I got who I got the person that everyone is idealizing so yeah I mean and I would say even more so, like, Scorsese lets, lets the character of Jake be vulnerable, or the person of Jake be vulnerable, but it is not in a way that is um, accessible to any other character. So, yeah, I would, I would definitely argue masculinity plays a huge role in, like, how Jake sees himself as well. Like, he has to be alpha. And we definitely see that at the beginning of his first marriage, like... Yeah. They're 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 creating that domestic household too. Yeah, he just creates the problem. This goes yeah. back to him just being violence. He creates the problem for himself. Going back to when he, um, you know, gets Vicky, that is his girl, um, and he has to sit here and oh well. Even when he was sitting there uh, at the TV fixing the TV, yes, uh, uh, fixing the TV, um, and he's speaking to his brother, and it's like a switch. Mm -hmm. Oh well. Now it's, um, it's somebody messing with girls. There's something that you don't know. Yeah. And even though us as viewers saw something that happened, yeah. what is it with the switch? What is it that just wants him to, you know what? Yeah, it's been too comfortable. Now I have to, you know, start up some stuff. Right. And that's where I would say, um, for, for me personally, when it goes back to the question of how, um, how do we feel for him and how do we feel for the character mm -hmm. you know when he when he wants to show signs of being um, you know vulnerable and you know when he wants to show signs that you know he's sensitive to whatever's going on around him it's always in a situation of everything is blown up and now I want to you know uh, maybe tone it back a little bit more after the violence has already occurred after he's already you know literally he's violence himself after he's started up everything now it's like let me reel it back in like no you know you wanted to live by that you wanted to you set the bed that you made for yourself right and that's how I, that's just how i view his life yeah and just how he's just going about just causing violence yeah i want to pull it back now domestic violence plays a role in this film 100 yeah. a big time domestic 100%. violence and you could even say not only the domestic violence toward women but the domestic violence against his own brother at a point yeah. yeah. So, so Cheyenne, I wanted to ask you and throw that to you first. You know, being the woman of the three Drews, oh, yeah, um, yeah. how how did you perceive the um, the domestic violence in this film? And do you feel like it was sensitive to the victims? Do you feel like it was 
to make Jake's character deeper, make Jake's character more multi-layered? Do you think it was, in a sense, kind of like the ring scenes where we see Jake just just perpetrating his violence for for, for the sake of harming himself, punishing himself, pun- yeah. punishing others in, in relation? How, how did you digest the domestic violence in this film? I mean, it was troubling to watch, for sure. Um, I would say there's a retribution for anybody. It would be Vicky, because she finally leaves. And I think that, I mean, not only is it following that biopic, it's realistic, but also, I mean, like, Scorsese gave the character Vicky that moment to finally stand up to her perpetrator of violence. So I would argue, yeah, like, he, he gives you that domestic violence side that's realistic. Christian, you're talking about that a lot. But he, he allows Vicky to stand up to her abuser, despite it being gone for too long. And again, it's realistic. Like, who's going to get... I mean, not, not always, right? But, like, women that are uh, victims of domestic violence, they don't walk away the first time because they love the person. But she, so, essentially, she, she sticks through it for the realistic side, but I would say that Scorsese letting her walk away and giving her that moment on screen, it's sensitive to her story. But I think that because there is an ambiguity and like her eventually kind of being the vessel that pushes his mania so far that he that's like the the climax of his mania is when Vicky finally is like, yeah, I sucked all their dicks and like his dicks bigger than yours and like F off. (laughs) Like um, so in a way that that shows it's not sensitive. It's she's just another one of those societal influences that pushes him into violent mania. So, it was tough to watch. How did you guys feel? I just want to say real quick that you could argue that she was pushed into that by the constant questioning, by yeah. the constant, his yeah. constant abuse. Absolutely. You know, Because, I mean, for the most part, well, I mean, she was 15 when they met. And I think a lot of it is her being groomed into a position, her being under his thumb. He got her because not only did everyone want her, but he could control her. I feel like he's really chasing control through a lot of this film. Yeah. And when he gets her, it's control. But once she starts to question that, once she starts to say, hey, I can have a little independence, I can stand up to you, I can do this or that, yeah. it adds a little bit of a layer to her character. So I understand where you're coming from, but I also think it's important to kind of bring to light that his years of questioning, I mean, they had kids together, years yeah. of questioning her, years of not yeah. trusting her, years of probably a lot of abuse that wasn't even on the screen, yeah. all boiled down to not only her leaving him, but her doing those things. And we don't know if she cheated on him or not. We have well, no idea. Yeah, and I think also, too, like, the scene where he's out of town and he's, like, Jake asks Joey to, like, go keep an eye on her, and then she goes out to the club with, like, a bunch of her old friends, and they're like, it's innocent, it's innocent, like, and it, it and to us it looks innocent, she's just, she's like, I'm 20 years old, 20, like, 20 years old, and she's like, I'm 20 years old, and I'm getting smacked around for looking at someone the wrong way, like, I've had enough, yeah. so it's like, again, another <laughs> perpetuation of domestic violence, she could have... She didn't want to play a role in that. She had no choice. I'm with you, Brennan. Yeah. I'm with you. Christian, yeah. what do you think? Um, and I would just say I did like um, them showing her leaving on screen. Mm-hmm. It was one of those moments to where it's like it's a big boom in the story, but it's not seen as one of the pinnacle pieces because it just happened, yeah. you know, just like that. But um, but going back to, you know, the sense of control, which I do think is an um, aspect of the film that's not talked about that much, is that once again we see him when she's leaving you know that's when he starts uh getting upset that's when we really start seeing his emotions again Mm -hmm. um but also um when it comes to the domestic violence uh, side going towards his brother Mm -hmm. um i just think about how the fact that uh him not even saying nothing to him when they did see each other again uh well he did kind of you know acknowledge him and speak to him but i think that does add a bit more depth on on the side of his brother's character is because this is something that even though they just ran into each other and they haven't you know been speaking he's still acting as if it happened the other day he's still acting as if you know uh whatever they had was going on for years and they was arguing back and forth but i just think that 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 the violence um that is depicted that is um acted on his brother really just shows how much was going on um when it came to uh what was his character um, Jake Lamont's character yeah. has even gone back to his wife how she just up and leaves and that's something I'm happy that uh, you guys brought up mm-hmm. we don't know what was going off you know going out off of the screen or what was happening between those years up until she left but it does add more depth for her just to up and leave and say hey yeah I'm done 
I'm, you know, I don't want to, I'm taking the kids, it is what it is, and going back to even his brother, I don't, you know, want to speak to, yeah, he acknowledges him, but it's just the act of violence is, I think that, you know, that's his life, and they lived around that life for so long, that's not them, so it goes back to him just, the, the self-violence and the self-harm that he inflicts on himself, yeah. is because I think as well, he sees everybody else as, um, an enemy, yeah, yeah, yeah. As he an enemy, definitely does. Yeah, as an enemy. When it's when in reality, it's look, man. You know, yeah, you're dealing with stuff, you're dealing with issues, but not everybody else is dealing with that same form of issue or same form of violence. Right. But he just keeps himself in a constant loop, in a constant circle when it does come to the uh, self-inflicted violence. So, one thing I wanted to ask about the ending to both of you, mm-hmm. and I want to elaborate on it as well. What did we feel when the credits rolled? How did we feel for Jake? How did the film end? Because some can argue it's a happy ending in the sense that, or not a happy ending, but a bittersweet ending in the sense that he's doing something, he's shadow boxing again, he's feeling like he's the man again a little bit, you know, he's feeling a little confident. And some could argue it's a tragic ending because. Yes, he has himself a new woman, and he's doing this, these little, like, spoken word gigs, um, but he's still not himself. He's still lost everything, and he's just coping. So I want to ask you guys, how did you feel about the ending? How did you feel about where Jake LaMotta left off, and how you think his character ended the film? So I can answer first, Christian, if you want. Okay. So I feel like he really didn't learn his lesson. You know, mm. like it was just, um, yeah, he didn't learn his lesson. And I think one of the facts that I had read about the film was um, whenever he first watched it, he had to pause it and kind of walk away and cry. And he was like, I never realized I was that bad. So it's, I think it's one of those things that he, he didn't realize it until it was put right in front of him. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're arguing at the point in the film like he doesn't know that that is uh, uh, how he is portraying himself I feel like he didn't learn anything I, I really I didn't see any growth I feel somewhat bad for him but it's also kind of like you'll re- you reap what you sow yeah I, yeah. yeah. and I and I agree because this goes back to why I love this film so much as it's real life some people they just don't learn anything Yeah. they don't learn from this situation and that's how they stay in the constant loop of doing the same thing mm-hmm. over and over again and um, with the ending, uh, I just agree entirely. Literally, everything you just said is exactly what I would yeah. say. It's just that there was no growth. Um, he does, I mean, yeah, you know, he has the club uh, that he's running, but it, it, it just doesn't seem satisfying to what could have been and, you know, what uh, his life could have led to. Yeah. Um, just knowing that, damn, you had all of that laid out, and this is what, you know, yeah, he's okay with it, but it's just it's it's dissatisfying. It's like dang. Like, it, in a way, I would say that it, it's bittersweet in the sense that it's not happy or it's not sad. It's mm-hmm. empty, and I think the oh, emptiness yeah. of the ending empty. really really personifies how you feel watching the film. Is yeah. emptiness for him because you can tell there's something inside that never truly clicks. There's something never inside where he truly learns his lesson. He never yeah. truly gets retribution. He never truly finds happiness. Nothing in his life has ever really satisfied him. And I feel like at the end of the film, we see him coping with it. We see him just, you know, this is what my life is right now. Uh, pe- people laugh. People have a good time what I do. I have a new woman. I'm trying to live my life. But he's yeah. still empty. And you feel empty because you just think he had, he had so many opportunities. But it was almost like the boxing, the opportunities, the winning. Nothing was ever enough for him. Yeah. It satisfied his brother, it satisfied the people around him, satisfied his wives at the time. He was doing a lot of things for a lot of different people, but it never really felt like he could find what it was to make himself feel good about Jake LaMotta. Well, what would, Brennan? I mean, like, seriously. I think he was chasing a ghost. I do. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like he's set up to fail in his own mind, so, like, nothing will ever be good enough for him. So I'm with you. Yeah, it's like it it perfectly personifies Jake LaMotta. It's empty. And it's without purpose other than for himself. It's yeah. And he's almost someone who never has a true purpose. And that's part of the reason the boxing in the film mm-hmm. never really feels like it's front and center. It feels like it's just something that the character does as a profession rather than, yes, he is the boxer. Mm-hmm. 
kind of like the film, the one girl in class, like she um, did a spoiler presentation on like the, the wrestler, wrestler. Mm-hmm. movie about what wrestling does to a person. Mm-hmm. So, and it ties back into what I was saying earlier. So many films of this nature is what boxing does to the person, what basketball, football, what yeah. baseball does to the person, what the fame, the money, all these things does to the person. When it comes to Jake, I'll say it one more time. It's what he did to himself. Yeah. He did to himself entirely. Now, the violence in this film, especially in the ring, is really something unlike we have seen this entire semester until yeah. Jackass. Oh, yeah. Now, you think about Jackass and Raging Bull couldn't be further apart in terms of prestige, in terms of a Martin Scorsese, one of the five or ten best films of the last 50 years versus Jackass, which is a bunch of clips of these guys doing insane things. And it was awesome. It was good. I liked it. But it was, it was so different. Yeah, yeah, it was so different. Fundamentally, incredibly different, but still, at the same time, fundamentally so similar. Fundamentally the same. The self-harm. The yeah. violence. The intimacy of so much of this violence. The reaction. Them yeah. taking it. What comparisons did you guys draw between the violence in Raging Bull and Jackass? So the only thing I'm going to say is, like, I, the only, I just have to, I love the similarity. But I think the stark difference, though, yeah. is in Raging Bull, we're waiting for that, like, dude, when are you going to stop? When are you going to stop doing this and, and try to do something good for yourself? It's so, it's sad that self-deprecating, right? Whereas, like, with Jackass, there's humor in it. And we know they're going to keep going. We're waiting for the shoe to drop and be like, all right, we're done here. But it never happens. So that's where the divide is. But I would say just like the way they push harm on themselves is definitely similar. But it's not comedic at all, at all with Raging Bull. What do you think, Christian? Yeah, and to add to what you said, too, is once again, you have this sense of when is he going to realize, sit back and realize yeah. that you can't fight everybody and everything that is in front of you. Yeah. You know, when are you just going to live the life that has been laid for you? Mm-hmm. And then going back to Jackass, it's, you know, oh, yeah, that was a skit, that's a joke. Okay, then next to the next form of violence. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that's what I would say to it. But it's just, I just keep on thinking about what this movie is that, you know, it's just the constant ball of violence. It's just the constant going through everything, you know, running people away from them. But it's, once again, when are you just going to, pull back and look at the people who are around you when you're just going to sit back and not act on violence for once. Yeah, and I think so. with Johnny Knoxville even, like, that's that's what his life is, yeah. and, like, that's what he's known for, so that's what he's going to be doing. So, like, I guess we could argue that Jake and Johnny yeah. Knoxville are somewhat <laughs> self, both self-deprecating yeah, for the yeah. sake of, like, they, they, they push violence for the sake of finance and, and just, like, yeah, because, I mean, I show my brother... A way of living. Yeah, because, I mean, I've even shown my brother where else have you... And I did this as a joke, which is hilarious the other day. Yeah. Where have you seen him? On the Jackass movies. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's all he knows him for is just And he did it. a really bad movie in 2005 called The Ringer, where he... Oh, don't watch it. It's incredible. Is it so insulting. bad it's good? Yeah, it's... it's, it's or is it just so bad it's bad? Yeah. It's, it's insulting. He, um, oh. he, he um, pretends to have a disability and he uh, goes into the Special Olympics to get money so he starts pretending to be mentally disabled and uh, it's it's incredibly insulting yeah um, so I don't know I think Johnny Knoxville he has other uh, you know I guess things he's done but that's what he's known for and that's probably what Jake I mean Jake Lamont is known for is like being that like thrust of violence for society you know what's so interesting to me is like I said before like you said Cheyenne you said Christian they couldn't be more different in the sense that one is the self-deprecation the self-harm is done for humor mm-hmm. it's done for ha laughs you know slapstick. what they're doing slapstick exactly yeah. whereas Raging Bull is tragic but where they where the biggest comparison to me is drawn is when we watch Raging Bull, the violence is so much different than Rocky, Creed, even honestly Enter the Dragon, a lot of violence like that where the violence feels cinematic. The violence feels, you know, just, it, it, it's, it's movie-like. It's something that we're used to. It's something we're used to seeing. Even though the violence is very bloody, gory, whatever you, whatever you have, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel... 
and, and there are are some sequences in Rocky or Creed, especially like the recent Creed films where the violence feels real. Especially, I haven't seen Creed three yet, but I've heard a lot of the fights. Have, they've they've kind of upped the ante a little bit. They've taken inspiration from a lot of different artworks, a lot of different animes, which I think is really interesting. So I'm excited to see that. But what I'm saying is a lot of cinematic violence that's in a sports movie is always it's it it, it 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 doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel like you're actually there. It doesn't feel like it's some pain that you can experience. And what Dr. Mox said in the Jackass lecture was one thing interesting about Jackass when we watch it, it's almost like we can imagine ourselves there. We can kind of feel the pain, you know? Mm-hmm. We can like uh like we have things a are hard reaction. to watch. We have a visual reaction yeah. exactly. So we see that raging bull in the ring scenes because it's so intimate, it's up close, it's personal. Yeah. And when you when you watch Jackass, the last thing you'd expect is intimacy. You wouldn't say the word intimate because it's it, it's the opposite. It's it's visceral, it's disgusting, it's yeah. gross. But you could say a lot of the violence in it can be interpreted as that. It can yeah. be intimate because you feel one-on-one sometimes with Johnny Knoxville, with yeah. Steve-O, when they're yeah. doing these things, when they're getting the paper cuts, yeah. when they're doing literally whatever it is they're doing. I mean, having alligators damn near chop their bottom half off when we see them doing things like almost being eaten by sharks like these things look real they're happening up close and personal with Raging Bull yes it's fictional but it's a true story Yeah. It's, yes it's not actually happening to these actors but it actually happened in real life yeah. and the way that the movie shot is so different from every other sports movie we've seen Yeah, I like that you draw the comparison of how raw and real the violence is. Yes. It's not it's not staged. Like it is. It is in a way cuz like they they go into it with a mindset. But there's a realness to how they get that violence. Yeah, it's and it's me- it's it's meant to capture us into it. So, and yeah. in, a, in a way, I used the word term cinematic earlier. And I don't really want to use that term. I want to use the term popcorn, right? Because I feel like the Rocky films like the old, I'm talking about like the old Rocky films, like Rocky Run Through Four. Um, yeah. You could even bring in Enter the Dragon films of that nature. Yeah. That violence is very popcorn. It's very, you know, sit down, almost like the the old '60s Batman. I don't know if you've seen that, but that times a million, where it's very popcorn violence. It's boom, pow. It's not yeah. what we're seeing in Raging Bull that feels, oh my god, this looks like in the real ring someone took the camera in, and they're just the haymakers, the blood, the yeah. sweat, everything that's happening looks so real, the so intense. Of wounds. Exactly, yeah. and we see that yeah. in Jackass. Obviously, one's framed as comedy, one's framed as drama. But I said this in class the other day. Thinking about Jackass, if they weren't all laughing, if there wasn't a laugh track, what would it be? People yeah. would be terrified. People would be like, oh my God, this is awful. But since they're laughing, since jo- if something's happened to Steve-O, Johnny Knoxville and the crew, they're all laughing, they're cheering them on, it's framed as funny, yeah. we're all laughing. You could say some Raging Bull, if it's shot a little differently, if people are laughing, whatever, yeah. it could be deemed humorous as well. So it's so interesting that these films that are so different... Yeah have such similarities when it comes to violence because Raging Bull took really its own path with cinematic violence because it's something that we hadn't seen in movies of that nature, in sports movies, in movies where you could say Enter the Dragon, I guess, is a sports movie. We kind of yeah. drew, drew it into we, that because yeah, the fighting we tournament, kinda, martial yeah. arts, karate kind of yeah. falls into that umbrella. But it's so interesting that Raging Bull is this quote-unquote sports movie that isn't a sports movie. And the violence yeah. feels real. I think, I mean, we're, we're missing an obvious parallel here, too, and that is Johnny Knoxville actually <laughs> boxes somebody in Jackass. Like, There's did, 12, two boxing sequences, right? There's the... That's right, the, there yeah, is! Yeah, there is two, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the only reason... There's the one with the woman, there's the one with that big jack dude in the store. Yeah. That, the, honestly, the, the, the dude in the store, that was my favorite probably sequence in the entire film. That and the golf was my two favorite sequences in the entire I film. I loved the golf. I, I think my favorite is still when they get in the semi-truck and drive on roller skates. Because like, I'm just like, a part of me wants to do yeah. that. And I think that's part of the problem, right? We're like, no, you shouldn't want to do that. But I do. And they have a really good way of glorifying violence, right? They do. They do. But I think, um, I don't know, I did bring this up in class, and I have to bring it up again for the sake of the podcast, is um, Johnny Knoxville was knocked out, and he's like, it was getting borderline sad when I was knocked out by Butterbean. Like, it was sad. So I had to bring in that comedic relief. And so he says, I was coherent enough to bring in, is Butterbean okay? Like, for that obvious, like, okay, he's all right. Like, Johnny Knoxville's not lost his damn mind. But with Jake LaMotta, he's lost his whole mind in the whole movie. So there's no, like, sigh of relief in Jackass. That's why we can handle Jackass, because they purposefully layer 
that narrative with moments of comedic relief where it's not sad. But Raging Bull does not do that. They're like, nope, this is raw, real emotion, and you're going to deal. So, but I think we're pretty, we're running out of time. Aren't yeah, we? I think I think that pretty much does it. Another incredible edition of Violence and the Three Droogs for our third and final episode. We're gonna dive in. Well, we don't really know exactly what we're gonna dive into yeah. yet, but we already have a good idea. You know, we have Inglorious Bastards coming up. We Taxi have Taxi Driver. Driver coming up. We have so many incredible films to. Oh my God, I cannot wait! I cannot so wait for our finale. But thank you so much for tuning in, Doctor Mock. We appreciate you. We'll catch you guys next time.